your Division II champions, Grand Valley State. Congratulations to the Lakers. For the sixth time in program history, they are the national champions. Grand Valley has its third national championship in four years. Grand Valley State celebrating a national championship in Division II. It's the Ankara Podcast, presented by the Grand Valley Sports Network. A happy homecoming week, Laker Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Anchor Up Podcast. Today is Thursday, October 15th. We're just a couple of days away from what would have been homecoming weekend. we got a great show for you today here on the Anchor Up Podcast, presented by Metro Health, the official sports medicine provider of GVSU Athletics. Your health, our passion. On the show today, we have the former GVSU women's soccer coach, Dave Diani. He is currently the head coach at Iowa, but good enough to give us some of his time, the three-time national champion here at Grand Valley State. And he said it, Tim, when he got here, they were on the precipice, but he came in, established that culture, took it to the next level. You got to see the entire run of Dave Diani here, and it was a special time. It was fun to reminisce on it. Well, it was. It was a lot of fun to talk to Dave and talk about his um, the culture he built here, what the program was, and when he stepped in, he did have some talented players. There's some Hall of Famers that uh, he had on his on his squad, um, and then he kind of took him that next level. Dave was the first ever. He was the first full time head women's soccer coach we had. Again, Tim Suggle talked about that. The uh, when he took over, getting those full-time head coaches so they could build the programs. Dave was the first women's soccer head coach and uh, and had some talented players when he started, recruited some very talented players, and then the program, you could see it just just rise. And it was, it was neat for us to talk to, to Dave. He's, I mean, head coach of the University of Iowa. Big Big Ten program. Uh, you know, he was able to uh, uh, take some time and uh, talk to us, and it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it's kind of funny because we talked to Jerry Baltus last week. We've talked to Tim Selgo on this podcast, and it, it starts with Tim, the former athletic director here. You know, his opening line to us was, in order to win, you need to have good talent. And it's almost like a carbon copy, no matter who you talk to that was hired under Tim's reign. That's kind of the first thing out of their mouth. It's so interesting to me that that era of GVSU athletics, it's almost like whatever Tim said, it resonated all the way through and he touched each and every piece of this athletic department. Yes, and uh, you know he he said when he became the head women's basketball coach at the University of Toledo, needed to recruit. Yep, and <laughs> he, he he went out and recruited great head coaches, who then went out and recruited great players to help them win. He sure did, and like we said, it's kind of resonated all the way through. And speaking of soccer, they're a contact sport, Tim. And the big news this week, contact sports able to move towards their full contact practice. Soccer had a scrimmage last week. They're going to do some more contact stuff. Had masks on, stayed as socially distant as they possibly could. But still awesome. I know football is around the corner. They've got their pads about to go on. So this is kind of an exciting time. It's almost like Christmas morning, knowing that you have to put the pads on, knowing you need to go full contact and get back to playing the sports that these student-athletes love. Well, we talked about it you know how the, the year is kind of we're in a weird spot because it we're we should be going into the last third of the football season the last third of soccer uh season and and outside it feels like we're in that time oh, yeah. but it feels like august because we haven't started playing yet we're just in the you know we're just in that time frame of building up and, and building towards the season because those teams haven't been able to practice so it's it's fun to see the, those kids out there competing football is going to start putting the pads on uh the 19th uh, like you said with soccer they're in the midst of their you know contact period um but but you're seeing softball baseball outside uh practicing Basketball is now, um, you know, in, in their portion of the building up towards uh, the th- their season. So uh, swimming and diving is in the pool, and they're they're starting to swim twice a day in the morning and then in the afternoon. So we're starting to see uh, sports pick up, um, and yet we see, you know, the NFL is kind of working through their cases, and you see other colleges. I know Florida. Florida is going to take the week off. Um, so, again, a lot of learning day-to-day with where we are and what we're building towards. We saw the GLVC, the GMAC, release their football schedules for the spring. Um, the, the GLVC is going to start their basketball season November 27th. So we're seeing some schedules put out there, and uh, hopefully the, the GLIAC won't be far behind. and. We can uh, start laying plans for uh, January. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Some of the other conferences in the region have come up with their basketball schedules, and that really, I think, is when it's going to start to feel real. 
whenever the GLIAC comes out, hopefully within the next week or two, comes out with their basketball schedule and what we're going to look like, I think that's when it's going to start to feel real. Like, okay, basketball yeah. season is X number of days away, mm-hmm. and then you can prepare for that. The Anchor Up podcast is brought to you in part by NovaCare. Discover the power of physical therapy with the official physical therapy provider of GVSU Athletics, also brought to you in part by PNC Bank, the official bank of GVSU Athletics, PNC Bank, for the achiever in you. And not only was this going to be homecoming week, Tim, it's also official appreciation week. Let's start with homecoming. This is always a great time of year. Usually the Hall of Fame ceremony is involved. Everything's so fun revolving around this time of year. Do you have a favorite homecoming memory? Well, you know, there's some things I can't talk about that were done back in the late <laughs> 90s, early 2000s. With oh, don't homecoming worry. We're not recording. Games. Go ahead. Um, in terms of uh, some, some rivalry games, some things we did... Uh, uh, we, we used to have a a uh, spot in the middle of campus over uh, behind where um, fresh food is, where we had some homecoming festivities, um, and the uh, the opponent we were playing that week maybe maybe there was some uh, mascot um, uh, gotcha. uh, things done. Um, but uh, so that was always fun. The students, I'll tell you what, the Grand Valley students have always come out in droves for homecoming, family day, homecoming. It was great because a lot of excitement around those festivities on homecoming weekend. You know, the the great thing for me uh, with uh, homecoming was always the Hall of Fame. Uh, Seeing those uh, those individuals come back and honoring honoring them. Every Hall of Fame induction on that Friday night uh, was just a lot of fun because a lot of great stories. They were happy to be back here. A lot of their teammates um, came back to honor them as well. And so... You're able to you know, just reacquaint yourself with those individuals that have been gone for you know eight, nine, ten, fifteen years. Uh, it's always fun to see them and their families and reminisce about the the games and and the, the travel and the different things that went on uh, back back when they were in their uh, heyday. Kind of very similar to what we're doing with the Anchor Up podcast right now. You know, there are 163 members of that Hall mm-hmm. of Fame here at Grand Valley State. The first induction class was back in 1986, and you've done such a great job with it, by the way. You and Carrie Becker have done a phenomenal job growing it into the event that it has become here now, where you know you get the induction ceremony, you have the whole banquet dinner, they have a lot of their friends and family come back just to see them get inducted into the Hall of Fame. You do the tribute videos to them, and it's such a cool experience to give them the recognition that they deserve as part becoming a lore in Laker legend history. Well, it's fun to do. I mean, you go, to, you, you get to look, go back in time. I mean, and that's that's you know, look at the history of those individuals and those teams. Kind of look like what we've done here in terms of some of the segments, going back and talking about great moments and great teams and great individuals. Um, and you get to do that with those individuals and their teammates, and and think about the things that that they excelled at and the great wins they had, the championships they won. And again, you know. This is a people business, and you're dealing with people, the student-athletes. It's fun to go back and just kind of reacquaint yourself, like I said earlier, and just look back in time. So it's homecoming week this week. Of course, we are opening up Lubber Stadium on Friday evening for the Spirit Showcase. The band is going to play live at Lubber Stadium for any students that want to come out. The dance team, the cheerleaders will all be performing as well. So it'll be a really fun opportunity to see the band play because that's also something to me that it's synonymous with college football hearing the band seeing the pageantry the dance team the colors the pride and spirit that the laker marching band has is so awesome to see you know somebody who went to an sec school and seen some really high level bands it could be easy to take it for granted but the laker marching band is right on par with any power five band any mid-major band i've seen anywhere they are fantastic they they take a lot of pride in what they do they create an atmosphere which is second to none and and you could you could say that this is a, like you said, an SEC level type band. That's the kind of work and preparation they take. You think our teams work and prepare for their seasons and games? They work and prepare for every every home game, every show they put on, pregame, halftime, and they and, and they are awesome. They do a great job, and it's fun to listen to them. They create such a pageantry, um, and their tributes that they, they that they've done to outgoing presidents over the years, Tim Selgo, uh, when when when. It was his last homecoming, and so it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, you, you hear about bands like Wisconsin, they have the fifth quarter, um, mm-hmm. where they, they sit and play afterwards. 
you could literally do that with Grand Valley's band. If they played afterwards, you'd have a number of people that would stick around to listen to them. Well, there are going to be a chance for students to come out and hear that band, many of them the freshmen on campus, the first time they get to hear that Laker marching band. So if you're in the area, make sure you tell your students to come on out. It's to students only because of the COVID situation and the protocols that the university has to take, but it's going to be an awesome experience, and it's just great that the band gets to go on the field and perform for their class. And also uh, we are inviting students to dress in their game day wear yep. for a picture and then uh, you, we're going to take their picture we're going to pick the best group or individual i guess um in yep terms and we're going to do a gift card for them to get some lakers swag so we want to give students an opportunity to feel what it's like to get dressed up for game day and you know it's always so fun to pick out that outfit that you're going to wear and you know get dressed up with your friends get ready to go whether you're painting your chest or whether you're putting on that long sleeve it's going to be cold on friday so they should probably wear some long sleeve gear but still an awesome experience that has been taken away from the student body and the chance for them to at least get a taste of it at least to have that mighty come of fun is awesome to give back to them going through some old, older pictures um from early 2000s and i came across one of current women's basketball assistant phil sayers uh dressed oh in uh in the front row at a football game um phil used to hit a group phil was one of the greatest football cheerleaders of all time in terms of putting a group together of his Oh, he his calls buddies. himself the leader yes. of the student yes. section back and, in his time and, here. And That's his biggest Phil, claim to fame. Phil uh, wore a referee's uh, top, and um, it was great because he would sit there and he would yell at the officials, which, I mean, I guess he still does that today. <laughs> I mean, assistant coaching so what role. you're saying is not, much, not has much has changed. Not much has changed since the early 2000s for Phil. But well, uh, on that note, it is also official appreciation week, so a great segue. Thank you so much yeah, for that. I didn't mean to do that. No, you didn't. And we do want to say thank you to all the officials, especially right now when you look at what's going on in high school football and you see these games that have to get moved around because there's a shortage. These men and women are dedicating their time to making sure these students have a great experience. And they do it at the collegiate level as well. And we do want to, even though we're not playing sports this fall, take a moment to thank officials for everything they do, especially getting berated by some coaches like Phil Sayers from time to time. But they do a great job, and they do it for the student-athletes, for the experience, and that's awesome to see. And, Tim, as a matter of fact, we might jump in y on you know, that train. We've been doing a little bit of research. We've been and doing some research. We're looking into Laker Nation. The possibility of Tim and I signing up to be umpires in both rec league softball, slow pitch. Yes. Rec league softball, slow pitch, and potentially little league next year. Yep. So we're, we're, we're vetting out some options here, seeing what the path would be to get involved in that regard. I think you'd be fantastic at it. I, uh, you know what? There's part of me that says, yeah, but I also have some thin skin at times. And that you can't. No. You can't, you can't thin skin. Um, now, Al Owens, who we've we've talked about, legendary official. Um, uh, Al has done it for a number of years, the junior high level. Um, in fact, he did varsity football, varsity b b basketball as well. But and then um, Laker legend Don Thomas, Don does Thomas, some slow pitch and, and softball as yes. well. Yes, and so you know, there's some individuals out there that we, we that we look up to, and yep. uh, they've taken their careers and and that was in that direction. So I think I can I think I can get past getting yelled at for not knowing a rule or two and we're, we're going to do it for the kids we're going to do, do it for the we're going to do it for the kids it's, it's not the it's money it's not about it's you not when you're the official me. it's not exactly. about you it's about the kids it, now this next segment though is going to be about me because since we mentioned slow pitch softball tim oh hey here I'll is tell you what. the highlight of my fall i finally got a taste of competition back because mitch ashcraft our assistant in the communications office invited me to fill in on his slow pitch softball team last night we played in the game i was 2 for 4 Two singles, all four balls in play, no strikeouts, and I had a couple of RBIs. I had the go-ahead hit in the top of the seventh inning in extras to give us the lead for a moment, even though we did get walked off on in the bottom. It wasn't my fault. Well, and and just talking about today, you know, a bunch of college coaches uh, in this time of social media have tweeted at halftime. You know, there's there's power five coaches that have gone to tweeting at halftime. And Are you saying social I media. should have, no, no, no. after my at-bats, gone Well, out we had... Mitch, he was sending me videos, real-time videos of your at-bats. I received all four in time. So M Mitch is literally in the on-deck circle videotaping your at-bats. He sent them to me, wanted me to, cr to critique them, in which I thought you had some great swings. I appreciate um, that. I thought you, you, you looked the part out there. Um, I know 
just recently, a lot's been made of uh, Alex Bregman and his exit velocity in terms of he was 0 for 5, but had an average exit velocity of like 102.71. Yeah, my exit velo was not in the triple digits. We thought that maybe you're, after watching the videos, um, you said you lined out to second base and it was kind of more of like a loop to second base. But, um, it was in on the hands a little it was, bit. I jammed myself. He came in. It was a 3-1 count. You, you were very patient. Um, but we did a little – there was that sports science thing, you know, that oh, you yeah. used to be in ESPN. I can't remember the guy's name. but um, So we did a little sports science, and your exit velocity was 7.201. What sports science did you do? So so we just kind of – it was – What it, possible it was, sports it was science time, It was time and softball and, you know, it was – so, but you know what? Two for four. Hey, all that matters. You're two for four. <laughs> you, you hit two two ribbies. That's right. You didn't embarrass the office, Came which we account. did. We did go out. We did take some BP. Yep. Well, we were able to go on the softball field. Well, it was field. BP slash tryout because if I didn't do so well, I don't think Mitch was going to extend the well, invite for me to go you out. You did. There. I was throwing BP. You went yard on the softball field. I did. It weren't into the trees. We I thought did. it got stuck in the tree, but it, it did fall out. Uh, we were, we, you know, we watched you throw. And then we, Mitch and took I talked. grounders. And, and by the way, I didn't, grounders. Even, I didn't even play infield. Yeah. And I got so relocated to the rover position. You were well, It was, you know, you represented the office well. That's all we ask. No That's errors. That's all we ask. Couple of putouts. Yep. Couple of hits. Ball and, and play every time. It, th- that could lead to a position next year. If not, we could start our own softball we, we league. We could. We could. And get a team going ourselves. But you know what? I have made myself a viable option. You did. And that's what's the most that's, important that's thing all that matters. to me. You're two for four. Two for four. Two that's for right. four. In fact, if Mitch... If Mitch came up with, um, it, do you guys have stats on those on that team? You got to be like one of the leading hitters. I don't know if I have qualified at bats, but the Anchor Up Podcast is brought to you in part by Earhart Construction, the official construction company of the Grand Valley Sports Network. Also brought to you in part by Homewood Suites, Grand Rapids. Enjoy all the comforts of home at the only extended stay hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. We're going to get to the interview with Dave Diani in just a moment, but before we get that, we do want to hit you with our Lakers Spotlight. It's presented by Ziegler Automotive. This week's Lakers Spotlight also comes from the GVSU soccer team, and it is senior Sidney O'Donnell, a 2019 first-team All-American and United Soccer Coaches Scholar All-American. She's also an all-region and all-conference selection. O'Donnell is a transfer from Division I Vanderbilt, and she's juggling an extremely difficult nursing curriculum while starting all 26 games last season for the national champions and that includes Tim we've talked about this trip a few times but that two-week stint in Mankato Minnesota and Pittsburgh Pennsylvania for the (laughs) NCAA tournament she's in her nursing program and she's on the road for the two weeks during finals and still able to be a scholar all-american so there's an outstanding commitment to not only her team but also to her craft and her career and it's awesome to see how well she's done in both the classroom and on the soccer field she was fantastic she's a left back she still had four goals and seven assists last year she gets heavily involved in the offense part of that historic offense and historic defense. So congratulations to Sydney O'Donnell. Can't wait to see her play in the spring. But for now, she is our senior spotlight presented by Ziegler Automotive. Well, you know, it's it's, it's fun. And we get the chance to nominate these kids for a lot of awards, um, the Academic All-American Awards, the Commissioner's Awards. And so we are able to look in, do a deep dive into their academic history, their athletic history, because uh, that's what this is. these awards are based on. And so we see firsthand what they're doing on and off the field. And we marvel at it. We talk about it all the time. We have such a tough time, which we have to decide for Commissioner's Awards who who, no, who we nominate. You have to narrow we it down can, to six, have, right? Yeah. So it's not, like, it's not like we have, we can just nominate 15, 16 kids. We have to narrow it down in our office before we even send these on to the... To the and some of uh, them are razor yeah. thin. It's oh, my so gosh. Hard. It's, it's so... It, it's, we have a tough time on their individual teams. Right. To d- determine who we're going to nominate and who we're not going to nominate, um, so and then know, it's even harder because how do you evaluate somebody's volleyball skills versus soccer skills right. and what stat matters more? And then you add in cross country and football on the men's side. There's so many different stats yeah. that how do you how do you equivalate a goal to kills to mm-hmm. assists to sets to whatever else you can try to do with all that. So very difficult to do, but a lot of deserving athletes, and that's why I'm very pumped that we get to do these spotlights yeah. and spotlight these great Lakers seniors that haven't been able to participate in their fall, and this week it's Sidney O'Donnell. 
presented by Ziegler Automotive. All right, it's time now to bring on Dave Diani, the longtime coach here at Grand Valley for the women's soccer team, three-time national champion and current head coach at the University of Iowa. All of our guest interviews are presented by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light is distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. All right, here he is, the former GVSU women's soccer coach, Dave Diani. And with that, we now welcome on former GVSU soccer coach, now the current head coach at the University of Iowa, Dave Diani. Dave, good enough to give us a little bit of time here today. Dave, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So let's start way back at the beginning now when you got to Grand Valley State. You know, Tim was telling me this before we even got on the air. This was your first collegiate coaching job. So how did you make the jump from high school to Grand Valley State Division II? What was that process like? Yeah, all I had uh, prior to 2014 was being an assistant coach at Hillsdale, but it was a part-time job, so it wasn't really, a, I like to say, a real job. You know, I just showed up for training and, and uh, coached the men and women uh, as an assistant and then and left. I was, a, I was a teacher at Jackson Luma Christie and coached the women there and, um, you know, and did a little bit of ODP. So a lot of it, you know, quite honestly, I was, first of all, like, got to give, you know, such a great credit to Tim Salgo and Lisa Sweeney for taking a, really a risk. And they, early on in the years, um, you know, they, they, they let me know that, you know, I, they had no business having that job, you know, coming out of high school. And uh, I guess they interviewed, you know, pretty decent, um, you know, pretty well, but, uh, but they, I have a, you know, a lot of so much respect for those two people to give me an opportunity and give a high school coach uh, an opportunity to, to build a program and, you know, uh, you know, really, it was it was certainly very evident that Grand Valley was, you know, um, you know, up and coming as a university as well. Not only you know as an athletic department, but as a university. So, um, a lot a lot of it was I fell back on being a teacher. A lot of it was you know educating and teaching, building relationships. Um, certainly, can't win games without talent, um, which was certainly you know it definitely happened as as we had success. Uh, success bred success on the recruiting, not only in the recruiting trail, but uh, also on the field, you know, and in the culture that we, we built. So, but uh, it was all, it was all a great start. You know, Tim Salgo and Lisa give me a good opportunity. You know, Al Owens likes to walk around and tell people he was on the hiring committee for both you and Jerry Balt as two pretty successful coaches. So he'd be remiss if we didn't uh, give him a little bit of shout out too, because he was on that committee. He likes to make sure we know that. Oh, I love it. I love Al. Coach Big Al. Running, running the show back there at the you know game events, and uh, certainly he he was on there. I'm not sure exactly if it was equal say <laughs> or, or vote, and uh, you know hopefully keep that one that soundbite in there. But no, uh, he he what a great human being, and uh, he was on there for for both of us. Dave, if you could, when you first got to Grand Valley State, you know, the team was – right now, if you think about Grand Valley State soccer, you think of a powerhouse, but that wasn't always the case. You had a lot of work to do to build this team up. What was kind of your first goal? What was your mindset when you took over this program, and where did you want to take it at first? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Jeff's done a great job driving that bus. Uh, you, know, you know, building that culture just was about consistency. And um, – you know, they, 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 they were close. You could tell that, you know, they just missed out of the NCAA tournament the year before. Um, they're, they're good, you know, great student athletes who wanted to win. You know, we had a really good senior class. Um, you know, there's a big senior class, but we had a really good senior class that, that uh, very similar to the class that we just had here, at, you know, at Iowa. They, they, you keep telling them they're close, they're close, but we ask more of them. You know, they need to give more. They need to be more, you know, more invested. And, uh, that was, that's what that class was. Kristen Lazinski and Mel, Melissa Trombley and, uh, Jordan Stevenson, Abby Genap. Like there's just a great class of, of women who wanted to be successful. So really it was about building the culture. I was really happy that I got there the semester before. So I had the spring to be able to put in uh, a lot of what we wanted, not only on the field, but just in, in culture-based traditions and really building relationships. And there were some ups and downs, uh, first, definitely in the first two years, three years, there were some ups and downs, but we forged ahead. And I think the consistency, the message was very similar. Um, you know, the consistency, and that's all student athletes want. They want consistency. They want to know, you know, what's going to be asked of them, what's the standard that's going to be asked of them. And they have a decision to make whether they want to meet that standard. And, uh, uh, and I think along with that, the competitiveness, we created a competitive culture. Um, and it was, 
competitive. We asked of them to give us everything they had and, and, and the, the talent, you know, kind of rose to the top. And we had some games that I think probably turned a little bit of the, the winning attitude and the winning, the winning environment uh, to, on, on the right end, you know, the, the right side of things for us. Dave, uh, Tim Sogo mentioned this, and every coach has recruiting, obviously, is the, is the foundation of, of success. You went back to the native uh, homeland in Canada to recruit Katie Taffler, and she was that first piece, really, that, that you built around. Talk yeah, about yeah. The, the, that whole environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a great class. I mean, that was a great class, just, uh, you know, three Canadians. and But also, you know, we had two or three, you know, girls from Michigan that stayed home and, did, you know, and so it was kind of an ironic class. Not only did we get, we get some talent that maybe shouldn't have at that point been at the division two level. Uh, they certainly get do that now. And we did at the end of my, my time at Grand Valley, but we also had players that from the West Michigan and from Michigan that stayed home that wanted to play for Grand Valley. Didn't go to Western Michigan, didn't go to Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan. And uh, that class really bred a lot of the classes after that. Uh, that was the foundation where, it was okay to go play at a division two school. It was okay to want to win a national championship and not just go play and be 500 uh, and say that you played division one. And those are fine for other people. There's no doubt about it, but we started creating a bit of a niche, a niche of, of uh, playing for the, 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 you know, the, it wasn't the anchor up at the time, but the GV and playing for the Lakers and being, you know, you know, making it where you were in the national tournament every single year. And that was the standard. And, you know, I talked to Jeff a lot. I talked to Deanne, Rick, like the pressure that exudes to be in that department, to be in the national tournament. Um, and now it's about winning national championships, but it was, it was great. But those players, those student athletes wanted that pressure. And if you weren't in the national tournament at that time, especially, you know, Tim will know like 14, 15, 16, you didn't walk around the hallways with your high, your, your head very high. And, and, and we barely got it in 15 and um, we got knocked out right away. So yeah, it was that culture and it came from good players. You cannot be a good coach and have good facilities in a good school if you don't have good talent. And that comes from recruiting. I know you'll give all the credit to your players, but how do you, when you take over a new program, what do you as a coach want to do right away to establish that culture? <laughs> trial and error, really. I mean, I was, I was young and I, I was, but I've always been a head coach. I've never been, you know, I've been an assistant at Hillsdale for three years, but it was, like I said, it was kind of, I was kind of a extended player, you know, in that, in that program. But I've, I've been a head coach my, my whole life. And a lot of it's been trial and error, but a lot of it, you have to go back to who you are as a person and what standards you can, you can, you can uphold and what standards are your non-negotiables and your expectations for them and, and for yourself. Um, I always felt like I was a hard worker. I wanted our players to be hard workers. I wanted them to invest in the program and, and um, you know, be true and be respectful for, to, to the experience. This is, this is an opportunity that doesn't need to be given to everybody. Right. And I want them to be able to, to, uh, to be proud of that, but not also cheat the system. And so we were trying to be very consistent. I, and not everybody buys in, you know, and, um, and that's okay. And, and, you know, there are a couple of players that, that I'm really close with that, that did not make it past their second year because it wasn't for them. And um, I would rather them be okay with that. And, and, you know, I just wanted to make a decision. Yeah. And uh, be respectful of the opportunity that was given to them. And uh, whether that be training in the rec center, you know, at, at five 30 in the morning, and uh, until you have these nice facilities that we have now, you guys have now, and or that's putting on a jersey that was, you know, sponsored by Adidas, which is, you know, you you know, you have to be uh, appreciative of all you do, all you get, and so being consistent in that that manner, manner. And you grew it, you grew it. Had some really great players in those earlier. Then finally, in 2009, you reach the top of the mountain. You win that national championship, and there were some really close games down the stretch in that one. So if we could go back to that year, I know it's been over a decade now, but tell us a little bit about that year and what that emotional roller coaster was like, particularly in that NCAA tournament. Yeah. I mean, I remember them all, unfortunately, but they're good <laughs> and the bad, but, um, but uh, Tim and I reminisced a few times on uh, Twitter, but, uh, or a uh, text, but you know, that team was, that team was ready to win it all. I mean, we probably missed a couple years earlier than that, to be honest. You know, we, we had, uh, 
you know, we maybe we didn't maybe we didn't appreciate that we you know we deserved to be there, and we were just kind of a little bit in awe. But that year, that team deserved to win. That would have been unfortunate not to. And and I don't use the word deserve other than if they put the time in to win and to compete. And we we won some close games, um, but when but but we won them in, in a fashion where we were still pretty dominant. And um, that that the internal group, we had a lot of older players that had been vested and had kind of bide their time. And, and, uh, but you also some young talent with Ashley bots and that group. And so it was a kind of a nice mix of players. Um, but we almost lost in the semifinals, you know, early on. And I remember thinking like, we were ready and we were all, com- we were confident. We weren't overconfident. We were confident in our abilities and to give up two goals in the first five minutes, you know, the first one, okay, no problem. Second one, <laughs> you almost have to laugh. Like, this is, you know, this is, you know, how do we go from here? And then at the end of the day, our staff just kind of went, hey, we got, you know, we got 85 more minutes to score two more, you know, score two goals minimum. And that's what we did. We just chipped away and uh, we avoided West Florida, which at the time was probably the most talented team in the country. Uh, they got upset by being a bit cocky and early on. And, and then we took care of, you know, Dominguez Hills in the finals. So I, that was all senior led. That was all senior led. And, uh, Chris, Chris and I both, Chris and Walker, as you know her, and uh, I read Dennis and Ashley Botts came, you know, Natalie Stansky, Jenna Wiglinski, Chelsea Priest probably doesn't get what she deserves as a goalkeeper. She was unbelievable, but that was that was a special team and a special moment. I'm glad you mentioned Kristen Eibel because obviously she was an assistant coach here. She's probably the only person from your tenure that I have a personal knowledge and relationship with. But her coaching style was fantastic as well. I believe she coached for 11 years and between coaching and playing – for 11 years, she never didn't win a conference tournament championship, even when she was at Davenport for a couple of years. Her spirit, her mind seemed to embody kind of what you went through. What was it like for you to see her become a coach and be so successful after playing career here at Grand Valley? Yeah, I mean, I'm really close with Chris, and I have such appreciation for her as a person and her family and everything she does. And she's just, just a, you know, salt of the earth kind of kid, you know, just, you know, and she's now she's, that's how she is as a mother. And um, I, I remember recruiting her and I teased her about, you know, the DVD that she put, sent into Grand Valley. And she was just a three-sport play athlete who was a winner. And if you're a winner, you know, in high school, you're going to be a winner in college. I firmly believe that. I, I love multi-sport athletes. You know, she won in everything she was. She was a point guard. She was, you know, I was not made all dream team as a, as a basketball player. And it was great for her to spend a year with Grand Valley afterwards. Um, but she just wins and she, competes and not everybody is received that well that way as a female when you want you want to compete and it matter winning matters and um you know before I left to come to University of Iowa we were all set to bring her bring her back on staff um and I was excited to have her come and she was leaving Davenport and I'm glad Jeff was able to you know continue that process when I left but I have a I have a personal relationship with her I care a lot about her as a person and but she was just she's easy to coach she just, you know, sometimes you just got to tell her, hey, stop thinking, you know, like you're just, you compete too much, like just go play, you know, and it all work out. And she was, she, she, she's the one who assisted on that tying goal in that, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the semifinals. And that was, you know, her and Katie Fairman, that was, that was by design, you know, she scored and it was good. Good kid. Three national championships. Do you have a favorite of the three? I mean, the first one was is the is probably the most special. Um, but I, I, you know, that's probably the most special. But I'll probably always remember the one in, in Louisville, where you know, thirty eight degrees. You know, uh, they had to shovel the they had to shovel the snow. Um, that team was pretty 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 dominant from start to finish at the beginning of the year, with the with the dynamic that we had. Um, if I remember correctly, I think we had to like play a game in Minnesota that was just as bad weather to be able to get out of that, you know? And um, so they just, they didn't care. Like I just tell the story here with my, our group here in Iowa. Like I I was very much, uh, Hey, you don't wear pants at training. You know, you, you know, you don't wear pants at training. You don't play them in games. As far as I know, you know, no one's ever had never done it since I was there. And we were, we were ready for that. For, for years before that, you know, Kristen, Kristen and I, but we just finished talking about Kristen Walker. She never wore a long sleeve once in four years, all short sleeve. So we played, you know, UC Santa Barbara in 38 degree weather and snow on the ground. And they came out in flesh colored, you know, spandex and 
we came out in short sleeves and just smashed them. And that was, that was probably my favorite in terms of mentality. That was the great, a great example of what we were as a program. Um, and to spin it forward, that's kind of what I saw with Jeff. I, I didn't want, I watched one game and I saw them playing, you know, in cold weather and driving rain this past year when they won. And that, that culture seems to be driving forward. And I'm really proud of them. I wanted to go back because I know when you first got here, you talked about building as a university. And one of the things you were really keen on was building the soccer field to become an actual stadium. Why sure. was that so important to you? And what did that do to help drive this program forward? Well, I, I think what they're going to be, you know, you hope that they're proud of wherever they're playing, but you know, it's it, it, the time that the program was building was very similar to the university and very similar to the department, the athletic department, you know, and um, a lot of it was funding. We were the, you know, it's like at Iowa here. We're the, we're the youngest sport that were, you know, that had been, I think, and Tim's probably could correct me, but I thought we were the last sport that was added. And so often when you have that, that's what you have with resources and funding and facilities and all that. And so, we wanted a place that they could call their own, you know, that they weren't just kind of, uh, you know, club soccer satellite-esque, you know, pull up in a, in a car. And, you know, we wanted a place where we could train and talk and have a little bit of uh, camaraderie and, and they could be proud of. And they certainly have that now. And, I, you know, that that started, you know, and in, in, I think in, uh, in, you know, 2000 or 2005, 2006, where we said, I remember it was all, we got a fence around the field and that was great. You know, now there wasn't people running their dogs on the field and that's great. And then, and then the building went in with the, you know, the rec, you know, the rec fields and that was awesome. And then really the attendance, you know, started building and we started winning and the banners and it became like a home and uh, it became a place that no one wanted to play. And um, it was very intimidating. And, and uh, I don't I, I'm not exactly sure. Again, Tim could correct me, but I, I think we won 80 something games on that field. And I remember the text Jeff Gates sent me one when they, when they lost for the first time, he's like, I'm sorry. I, you know, I broke the record. I'm like, it was bound to happen. I broke lots of bad records, you know, and um, that's an intimidating place to play. And it wasn't just the fence and it wasn't just the banners and it wasn't just, you know, it became all inclusive, you know, and it, some of it's recruiting for me and some of it's functionality right. For the student athlete to live life, you know, and, and to be able to feel like they're, it's a, it's a special experience for them. Well, in athletic communications, I appreciate you building that press box too. That was certainly <laughs> very helpful, but you mentioned Jeff a couple of times and I love that you guys still have a relationship. When you left for Iowa, how involved were you in the recruiting process of the next coach? Did you really have a say? Were you kind of involved or not really? At, at Iowa or at Green Valley? At Green Valley. Well, I, ho I hope you didn't have a say at Iowa if you were getting the job. <laughs> um, I mean, like, so I, I laugh, like, in terms of how much I left and things like that, like players that I left there? or No, in terms of, like, as they were selecting a coach as your successor. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um, I, I, you know, Tim and I, you know, spoke quite a bit. I mean, I, I, there, was a, there was a good group. Uh, they had a great group. Um. And, and, you know, but I also, Tim knows what he wants. Like, you know, you can tell him, you can have some suggestions, but in the end of the day, he knows what he's looking for and he knows what he, you know, what he wanted. I mean, who would have picked me out of the, out of the group, you know, like, um, but I did, I did, I, I knew Jeff. I didn't know Jeff really well, but I knew of Jeff. I knew what he did at Elma and the culture they created at Elma. Uh, there are some other division two, you know, uh, coaches that were in the mix that were, that are still very highly successful that, just didn't, you know, didn't keep their names in it. So I, I, I had an, enough of a, an impact that I, that I, that I appreciated, you know, Tim um, respecting what I put there. Moving on to the, uh, when you made that transition to Iowa, it was much like Chuck Martin in terms of going from Grand Valley to Notre Dame to Miami of Ohio. You made the transition, you went from high school to Grand Valley State and then from a division two school a lot of those guys don't get the chance to coach in the Big Ten right from the Division II school. Talk yeah. about that transition that you made. Well, I, I think, first of all, like, I wouldn't have, have ever left Grand Valley if it wasn't a, a Big Ten school um, or that kind of level. I mean, you, you know, like, there were a lot of opportunities at, at you know, a Mac, Mac level, and that didn't mean, mean much to me. I think Grand Valley had a much better job. And I think the, 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 the reason why I left Grand Valley in general, because my family wasn't incredibly excited about it early on, was professional, you know, professional, professional growth and seeing 
seeing what I was able to, what, what could I do at the next level with players and teams? And we, we would always played, you know, programs at that level in the spring and done well. And, but could I do it when it really mattered when in the fall, when, you know, when the lights were on. And so that's the biggest reason I remember Brian Kelly telling me the exact same thing. Why, why he left to go to central Michigan. He wanted, he wanted to challenge himself and see what he could do. And I, I think, all in all, I got exactly that. And it takes a little bit of time. Like, I, I think you are, you are exactly who you are. I don't think you change that. I think you have to be a bit flexible based on the players you have. And a lot of, some things are out of your, out of your, you know, out of your control a little bit more than they are at Grand Valley. And uh, I think that's really difficult, you know, and then, and then when you add the, the level of competition where everybody's kind of equal, now those little details that you sometimes don't have control of, do matter. And so, um, you know, I've talked to Chuck and I've talked to, you know, I, I, I've talked to Yoches and Brecken and, 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 and Brian Kelly a couple of times, like you really have to go back and get focused on what you can control. And because if not, it really just takes you over. And um, the, the pressure and the stress becomes a bit daunting in a different way than it was at Grand Valley to win the national championship. Um, because at this level, you can't just go into the AD and ask for this and it gets done. Um, they have a plan. They have, you know, they, they have resources that they want to put it, you know, into your certain programs and you have to be patient. So that's ultimately what I think Tim is like, what it was for me as a person was I had to go back to controlling what I controlled. And, uh, 14 was great. 15 was, was tough. It was tough. I didn't have the talent. Um, it was a, you know, kind of a tough environment overall. And then, you know, I kind of started building the, with recruiting as we talked about, and then just kind of just doing what I did at Grand Valley. And, and it seems to hopefully be ascending from there. Uh, Coach, you've also at that level, um, you've had to deal with some uh, things in terms of being in Iowa and cuts in the, in the program. You, you, some very good friends of yours at Iowa, Obviously, some programs were eliminated. Talk about that kind of mindset in terms of the pandemic, COVID nineteen, and the the uh, uh, cuts that had to be made, and how difficult difficult that was to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's been a tough, tough, uh, well, tough six months for everybody involved, you know, across the country and athletics in general. But um, you know, I, I think the one thing that has been pretty prevalent for us that it seems like maybe hasn't been across the, the big 10 is uh, Gary Butter, our athletic director has been pretty, pretty transparent and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good with communicating what, what, what the scenarios could be like. So it wasn't, there was no uh, maybe the sports that were, were cut. I think maybe like getting, you know, getting being told on that day or the day of, like, I think it's always a little bit of surprise, but we always knew those things were in play. Mm. And I don't think that's been the case from uh, a, a lot of the schools across the country. Now, what's right, what's wrong, I don't know. Um, but for me, I would rather have Gary said, hey, there's a plan A, there's a plan B, there's a plan C. And and we're in plan A. Okay, now we're in plan B. You know, it looks like football is not going to happen. Well, we're not, oh, football is happening, but no fans. You know, and he's thrown out exact numbers to us. So in that for me, as a leader of our program, I appreciate at least communication and the you know transparency doesn't make it any easier. Um, it, it was it was very difficult. It still is very difficult. You know um, they're competing right now. Uh, there's a process to try to get them back, uh, which obviously we all can appreciate. I think to answer your question, Tim, I think we're we're at BCS level in particular is in a really 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 tough spot right now because there's so many resources, so much so much of the resources are going to to one sport. Uh, and, and really you could say three, you know, men's and women's basketball, but one, but that's also where we get the resources. Right. And that's where we get, we, we get, we, you know, we get our budget and we get the salaries and we get the facilities. So we're in a really tough spot because it is really challenging. Like maybe schools like Iowa, where we do bring in a good amount of money on football, we're probably top five, top six, you know, behind Michigan, Ohio state um, in Wisconsin, Nebraska, we're probably next but we're not them. Right. So can, can you have 24 sports, you know, can you win in 24 sports? It, I think everybody in the country is really talking through that right now. Um, 
and it's uh, it's very disappointing because a lot of student athletes are losing an opportunity to compete in the NCAA. Right. As we try to turn that into a positive, I saw that great social media post you had last week, the how it started versus what you're building at Iowa. And as you build this program, what parallels do you see in kind of the growth of your Hawkeyes as you did with the growth of the Lakers when you took this program over? I think they're very similar, to be honest. Um, I love my staff. I think my staff are filled with teachers. Um, they, we develop players. They get better every day. They get better from one from year one to year you know, year four. And I don't think that's a I'm not, you know, I, I just, that's just who we are. Like we have to, we're not going to get the five-star athletes. We just have to, we have to get, we have to get people. We have to get young women who want to get better that, that, that are, are excited to be at Iowa. That's a big one. Iowa city is a great community. It's a great place. It's university. Of Iowa is a great, you know, diverse, educated, liberal arts communities, you know, and institution, but we got to get the right people. You know, and, and we got to get people that want to be there. It's very similar to Grand Valley. So talk about a parallel. You want to win a national championship? You come to Grand Valley. If you want to play D1 and it's about your, you know, your scholarship amount, you know, maybe there's somewhere else for you. So it's about the criteria of the student athletes. It's very similar. It's very, there's, there's a distinct parallel there. Um, I think building the program with all the things we've talked about, like culture, resources, facilities, you know, all those things are, are starting to build. You know, we're breaking ground tomorrow on, on an actual facility, a soccer operations building, uh, a 9,000 square feet, uh, square foot um, building that will have locker rooms, athletic training rooms, second floor seating. Like it's that's what we need. You know, and we need it. We need it a little bit for recruiting, but we also need it for the functionality of our players. You know, they need to go to one stop, one stop shopping and to take a little bit. This this generation put a lot more time into school and are a lot more stressed. Um, with being elite in everything than, than they were. Not that, they, you know, because there's more to it, right? Social media, there's a, there's a lot more pressures, finances, all that. So want to take some of that out of it. Um, and I think talent-wise, I think, that, you know, having four or five years now where the same players are in the same culture, the same level, um, the bottom has risen, the average, you know, talent level has risen, and now they're pushing each other a little bit. They, you know, training's a bit more competitive. And they have the expectation that they want to win. They want to win in every aspect. When I came in, the average GPA was 2.8. Last semester is a 3.5, wow. like average. So it's not just on the field. It's across the board, right? And if you invest, you know, the right way to the best of your ability, then, you know, good things are happening. will happen. I, I, I definitely believe that. The last question I have for you, Dave, it comes back to your time at Grand Valley, because I know one guy that was a huge supporter of your program, President Haas, was very, very fond of, the, of athletics in general, but I know he was always making those trips to the NCAA tournament with you guys. How important was his and his wife, Marcia's support to you guys? And what did that mean to you to see the president of the university at virtually at least one game a weekend at home, it seems like? Yeah, I mean, critical. I mean, I, I think that, again, speaks volumes of the school, the institution um, in general. You know, you have, a, you have leadership. Uh, that is supportive of everything you do from top to bottom. It makes your job a bit easier. And um, again, I don't, uh, I know, that's not, that's not the case everywhere. And it, you, you don't want to live in silos. You, you know, there's, I, th I always felt like the communication was very, very, very clear and transferable and fluid from top to bottom. And when you have somebody like President Haas and his wife, uh, and, and I know they still do this, having, you know, having teams out to their house it makes you feel special and it makes you feel that what you do value, you have value, right. And it, what it matters. And, um, you know, when it's, when it, when it happens, you know, when it comes from the voice of, uh, of the, of the president of the institution, it's very easy to share the message all the way down, right. It becomes very easy for Tim to share the message very easy for, and when then we can be accountable for that, you know, um, there's no, there's no cracks in the system. And I think Tim, Tim and President Haas really set up um, a very, very unique, special system that way. That's all I got. Tim, you got any more questions? I'm good. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking your off day and spending it with us. We appreciate it. I know you guys are training over at Iowa, so best of luck as you get ready for that spring season. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you again down the road when you're celebrating a trophy out in Iowa City. Yeah, no, I appreciate it, guys. This has been great. It's better than anything else I had to do today. So <laughs> that's good. So any more podcasts, let me know. I love right. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Coach. Miss seeing you guys. See ya. Yeah. 
That interview with Dave Diani brought to you by Coors Light, reminding you to drink responsibly. Coors Light distributed locally by Alliance Beverage. The Anchor Up podcast is also brought to you in part by Uccello's, where great food and sports come together, by DTE Energy, Know Your Own Power, and by Mervine Beverage, reminding you to drink responsibly. All right, let's get to some more segments. It's time now to highlight our team of the week, brought to you by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now, more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And this one's a really unique situation, Tim. We have a Division II first. This week's team of the week is the 2010 to 2011 women's cross-country and track and field teams. They were the first ever D2 programs to sweep all three national champions. They won the fall 2010 cross-country title, 2011 team indoor and outdoor championships, and there were a combined five individual national champions as well. What a run that year was for the women's side of cross-country and track and field. Well, then they were crowned the uh team of the year a program of the year obviously for those yeah, i would and, hope so and basically that's where the jerry baltus award came from the united Tra- united states track and field coaches association which we can't that there's like 15 letters in that u-s-t-f-c-c-c-a yeah okay so um that the uh jerry it's now called the jerry baltus award so the program of the year the um, women's program of the yeah, year w- the women's program of the year which which takes into account a point system for your finish in cross-country, indoor track, outdoor track for the women. And the team with the lowest point total, per se, because you finished the highest in terms of first, second, third, so or fourth. So it's like golf, yeah, lower scores exactly. better. Um, that team wins. And so uh, phenomenal, phenomenal year. Um, they also did it again, but they did it a like a track and field, like, you know, 09, 08 indoor outdoor and then the, the cross country championship like in 10 yeah so th- they did have that also um but again we talked to jerry last week what he's built here in, in cross country and track and field for both the men and women second to none and uh yeah they also did it in the calendar year of 2012 yes, by right, the way right that, that that i think that's what i was yeah i think that those are the years i was i was thinking about so you know again i mean the Baltus when, when you talk about when you talk about the number of uh, coaching staffs of the year slash coach of the year awards that Jerry's won. The number of team titles when you're when you're in triple digits, and we're I mean, no, we're talking about twenty years for you to get to triple gi- digits in twenty years. I don't care if it takes you a hundred no, years. It's I mean, impressive. It's unbelievable. And the best part is, you know, Laker Nation. You heard him last week on the podcast. He hardly likes to talk about himself. No. If anything, he's talking about the athletes yeah. that he has. He's talking about his great assistants, his great staff, and that's part of what makes him. So great at what he does and the unassuming smile and always coming into our office and willing to pick up whatever loose sports ball is laying around and try to chuck it at you well, or he, he poke const- some fun. And he's, he's, he's a ball of energy, that Jerry Baltus. He's constantly talking about his literally coaching <laughs> when he right. comes in. I mean, you know. I mean, yeah, his son Jack is a league star and, and he's trying to grow him and Allie's playing with Mike Williams' kid too. Yep, so. yep. His daughter Allie's swimming at Jenison High School and do, doing a great job. So uh, it's, it's always fun to talk about those programs. And we talk about the 2010-2011 women's track and field and cross-country teams. They are this week's Team of the Week, presented by Blue Cross Blue Shield of Michigan. Here for you now more than ever, confidence comes with every card. And we'll stay on the track and field theme, I believe, this week, Tim, as we now transition into our great moment in Laker history. It's brought to you by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And as always, Tim, the historian of Grand Valley State Athletics, I turn it over to you for this great moment. Well, we're going to go back to Jerry Baltus' first year, um, which is really kind of funny because how she arrived here, um, Melissa Smith, now it's Melissa Smith Richardson, um, she's married and living in Grand Haven, Melissa Smith ran track and field and cross country at Ohio State University, knew some individuals in the Grand Rapids area, uh, visited, came up here, drove over to campus, and they were just looking around, and she kind of felt like she needed a a, a change of scenery. She was running at Ohio State University. She was from the Columbus area. She went to one of the old Tangy high schools just outside of Columbus, and she decided to transfer. And so... Jerry Baltus, Jerry Perry Baltus, boom, she shows up. All of a sudden, she so Melissa was an outstanding cross country track and field. She's the first ever cross country All American. She ran for Grand Valley State in 1998-99. Um, she was the Great Lakes Region cross country champion, eight time GLIAC track and field championship. Again, the first All American in cross country in 1999 in the 6,000 meter. Placed four, 
placed 14th. She wasn't, you know, cross country wasn't her um, primary sport. It was more track and field. And so we go to the um, uh, track and field, uh, third pl two third place finishes, a fourth place finish, and a sixth place finish in the uh, 3,800 meters. I mean, again, so, you know, Jerry talks about those individuals which you alluded to, those graduate transfers. Melissa Smith shows up, hey, I think this would be a great place to transfer. And Jerry talked about the luck of the draw. Sometimes the kids you get that lead you to, a, you know, the promised land. And Melissa Smith-Richardson winning that first good uh, – uh, or becoming the first All-American in cross country under Jerry's regime. I know that was a big, big spot for him. That's a big moment, and that great moment in Laker history is brought to you by the Randy Catterberg Agency. And yeah, I want to touch on that before we uh, wrap up the show here, Tim, because, yes, it, it requires some luck for those D1 transfers, those big Power 5 players, athletes, to choose to want to transfer, number one, and number two, be willing to transfer to a Division II school. But you also have to put yourself as a coach in a position to get those athletes. You know, you look at what Jeff Hostler's done. We talked about Sydney O'Donnell earlier mm -hmm. in the podcast. She transferred from Vanderbilt, but it's not a foregone conclusion. She didn't seek out Grand Valley per se. So you have to do a great job of making yourself available, being a good marketer, have good connections, knowing the people that can get you in touch with the right person that makes them say, Grand Valley could be a spot for me. And then you still have to win because there are other schools that are going to want that person. So it's totally luck, not solely dependent right. it, there is some luck involved for sure but it's definitely also a precedent of if you put yourself in that right position to get lucky much like everything else in life absolutely and you look at our teams that have uh those transfers have put us over the top in several sports nikki reams women's basketball um was from jenison went to the university of michigan played two years uh was a very successful player there and then transferred to Grand Valley, led us to the Elite Eight and then a national championship. And it, you, across the board in volleyball, we talked about Kathy Viss um, from Zealand, was an all-SEC volleyball player at Georgia. Decided, you know what, I've had enough of it. We're not very good down here at Georgia. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home and transfer to Grand Valley. Led Grand Valley to its first regional championship in women's volleyball. Again, went to the Elite Eight. And, um, and so, you know, those individuals are those program changers put you over yep. the top because they're they're athletic and they're at those places for a reason like you're not playing volleyball at georgia for a reason you're not playing soccer at some of these uh, uh schools for a reason you were able you were good enough to get there needed to change the scenery and uh taking Grand Valley to the next level. You look at the current GVSU men's basketball team, Christian Negron coming over from Loyola, Chicago. He, mm -hmm. he played in the Division One Final Four yeah, yeah. as a freshman and winds up coming to Grand Valley for the final two years of his career. Isaac Gassman with a fellow MVC school in Illinois State. So a lot of those Division One transfers still continue to choose Grand Valley as a place to continue their athletic and academic career. And a big reason why is because of not only the academic and athletic success here, but because of the hardworking coaches that go out, market, research, connect and find those athletes and convince them to come to Grand Valley. So it's awesome to see all of that hard work pay off. And back in 1999, this kind of when it started, like we opened this show talking about those first full-time coaches coming in, starting to build these programs, starting to bring real coaches focused on talent, focused on talent acquisition into the fold, and that led to this historic rise to what Grand Valley State is today. So that's awesome to see. And now, Tim, the one last thing i got to ask you, we talked about this last week. You said potentially you were going to put together a team for the golf outing on Friday. you got 24 hours. What are we thinking? Well, you know, I there were a number of individuals I contacted. Uh, some things fell through. The weather forecast doesn't look great for Friday morning. That scared some people away. I don't the rain, them. the wind, you know, the the blustery conditions at the meadows. There aren't a lot of trees out there. When the wind comes across Lake Michigan, there's not much to stop it from the meadows golf course in terms of places to hide on that golf course. So no, I was unable to put a team together. However, I was picked up. I was oh, okay. I, I, I've been picked up, so I will be playing. What's the um, team? Uh, Doug Lipinski, Jeremy Bolker, and a fourth to be determined. We're wow. choosing be between a couple of in individuals. Um, uh, so I I am not going to swing a club. I am going to go cold turkey in terms of. Oh, you mean up until the event? Oh, well, yeah. Once oh, the yeah. outing starts, oh, you once, will yeah, be I will a swing a club. club. Okay. I'll, I'll swing a club then. <laughs> but I'm going to go in. I did chip a little about two weeks ago. I uh, took on my son Kyle in a little chipping contest in the side yard. Was 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 pretty good. I I, I hit the uh, cable. Who won? Uh, oh, it was me. 
Really, you yeah, beat the D one yeah, athlete. I, yeah, I, yeah, I did. That, it's not tough. I, I, I never taught. <laughs> I, ne- I never taught the kid how to golf. And you did that so, for a reason. So yeah, you'd always exactly, have that one in your exactly. back pocket. That's that's so um, father wisdom, right I there. I am. You. I am excited. I'm going to go. I'm not. I'm not going to go to the warm up, dri- the driving range beforehand, th- the day of, or anything. I am going cold turkey. My first. Does swing. Does Lipinski and Bulker know that? Oh yeah, they know. Okay. They, they Doug knows. I am. I have no bad habits right now. I, I don't. I'm not going to waste possible good shots <laughs> on the driving range. Like that makes no sense. Hey. Why am I going to do that? I understand I mean, the theory of golf. You know what though? I, I've golfed and I've hit the driving range before, and I have not hit the driving range before. Either way, by the time the fourth hole rolls around, I say I should have done whatever the other one I didn't do. Was. Absolutely. If I do hit balls at the range, I shouldn't have. If I don't, oh, I should have. I'd be warm and I'd be ready to go. Not for me, Matt. I am not wasting any shot in the driving range. <laughs> <laughs> well, looking forward to that. Hopefully you're out there to join us for that first ever GVSU Fall Fundraising Golf Outing. We've also got some cool events coming up later on in the month. We're going to show some college football games on the video board at Lubber Stadium, including that Michigan-Michigan State game on Halloween. So make sure you stay tuned to GVSULakers.com and at GVSULakers on all of our social media platforms for information on how you could attend that watch party of the Big Ten football games on the Lubbers Stadium video board. Well, that about wraps up our show here for this week. Big thanks to you for tuning in. Thanks to Dave Diani for spending some time with us this afternoon. It was great to talk to him, and you'll hear it here on Thursday. Tim, as always, fun doing this one with you. Great and, job, uh, Jake. Happy homecoming. Happy homecoming to you. Happy homecoming to you as well, Laker Nation. Have a great week, everybody.